Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Once again, it is Michael C. Bouchard, the host of the Night Stalker podcast, coming from you from Derby, Connecticut. A little, one of the smallest towns in Connecticut, situated along the Housatonic River. So, we are now in 2021. I know 60, episode 65 supposed to be the last episode, but I figured, well, let me throw a few more things in there that I was thinking about. Um, one of my, my biggest thoughts, and, and I hate, I kind of mentioned it every, occasionally, I have a couple big thoughts, so maybe I'll just go over some random thoughts for some of the podcasts. Uh, one of the most popular podcasts was actually episode uh, number one. It had to, uh, dealt with uh, the disappearance of uh, Joan Risch from Lincoln, Massachusetts on October 24th, 1961. Um, it had always been a very uh, mysterious disappearance. Some say unexplained. I say perfectly explainable. Um, they based, uh, I think, uh, there's a lot of, lot of uh, online literature out there about it. There is... Uh, movie Gone Girl, which I watched, and um, based on the research, I have to remember, when I do, when I did uh, The Disappearance of Joan Rish and The Disappearance of um, Dennis Lloyd Martin, my two books, and, I, and my, my books are all on Amazon, they're not exp- expensive books, they're all self-published, um, you know, uh, these were the first books on either one of the cases that were actually <clears throat> based off a physical police report that I was looking at. Uh, Joan Risch, when I got the uh, report, it was uh, 5,127 pages. I'm sure a lot of it, before I got it, I'm sure the district attorney removed a lot of this stuff. However, suffice it to say, the information that was provided uh in that police folder, pretty much explained everything. Uh, I spoke with um, Sabra Morton, um, Joan's best friend, uh, provided me with a lot of information. Uh, in my books, I also do, you know, with books like that, I, I interview people that were involved in the case um, just to make sure that I know what the heck's going on and, and to make sure that the listener knows what the heck's going on and, you know, bring some reality <clears throat> to the case. The Dennis Lloyd Martin uh, case is probably the most pop- popular disappearance in um, National Forest. <clears throat> Unfortunately, he had a lot of car salesmen like uh, George Norrie, Dave Pilatus, uh, George Knapp, Art Bell. Uh, pick up on the story, <clears throat> run with it, put a lot of misinformation and misleading information and just to sell books or to build an audience audience base that's not me i tell it like it is and you know that's that's the reason they probably all want to turn me into wicker man but that was also based on and and here was the problem we ran into with dennis lloyd martin i was talking to uh, micah hanks who does uh the grayland report and if you have a chance um Go on, and um, I, I have two episodes there. One was Joan Rish, and the other was Dennis Martin. 
Um, Micah, he's out of, uh, I want to say North Carolina, but him and I go back and forth a lot. Um, he's got one of the better podcast, actually one of the better podcasts, uh, dealing with stuff out there. Uh, it's edited very well, clean. He's got a hell of a lot better voice than, than me. Um, probably looks a hell of a lot better than me. I'm sure he does. Um, you can only get so good at so, at a certain age, but that's okay. Um, him and I were discussing the Dennis Lloyd Martin case, and I was able to—I was actually the first person able to get the actual uh, National Park Service or what you would have called the Rangers a report from um, National Park Service uh, uh, down there in Tennessee, and uh, you know, just like the uh, Massachusetts uh, Middle. Uh, Middlesex County DNA up in, uh, DA up in, um, Massachusetts, you know, these people were able to provide me with information and, uh, I really didn't even have to go through the, a FOIA for that. They, you know, just, you know, they were glad to help. I mean, you know, let's face it, these cases are very old cases and the more that the public knows about it, that, you know, there's a, a likelihood of somebody finding a needle in the haystack, which is probably... The FBI, on the other hand, in the Dennis Lloyd Martin case, these people are, like, back in the 1920s, um, you know, their ideology of, of sharing information with the public is zero to none. Uh, <clears throat> I'm sure that's why a lot of their cases remain unsolved, because uh, they are not people-friendly. They violate the uh, 1966 Freedom of Information Act continuously on a, uh, a term they call... Uh, the exclusionary rule. The exclusionary rule basically applies to if it is a crime and they are actively investigating it actively. I mean, I investigated it, you know, in 1968 and we had a lead in 1970. Actively means currently. Uh, Other problems you run in with that is you have civilians, not law enforcement, attempting to deem what is, should be released to the public and what should not be released to the public, which is, you know, that's like having the, um, you know, that's like, <clears throat> that's like somebody that is an electrician telling somebody how to fix a, a motor in a car. You know, it's, it's just, uh, yeah, so, so the, the, infor, the, informa- the information on that was very limited because there was a 147 page report and, um, I, I interviewed everybody there, and I interviewed people they didn't want me to interview, but I didn't care. I put information in my book they didn't want me to put in there. I don't give a shit. Uh, you know what? If they if they were a little more um, people-friendly, I probably wouldn't have burnt them. But you know what? Sometimes you need to be burnt um, to prove a point. And this is, a, uh, this is the same issue that me and Micah Hanks are having with the FBI. They do not want to provide anything because that's just how they are. They're little babies. Uh, okay. So to move forward, uh, one of them that, one of the second, uh, actually a third best, uh, listen to, uh, podcast for this year was, um, creatures of folklore, fact or fiction. Uh, interesting. Um, it basically went over several, uh, urban legends, Bigfoot, uh, crop circles, Loch Ness, uh, werewolves, vampires, 
crop circles, all that, all that kind of, uh, you know, mystery, mystery making things that sell books and uh, make people a lot of money and people spend a lot of money whole lifetimes, uh, chasing ghosts basically. And, um, it pretty much goes over reasons why or why not, why they could not exist. Um, that kind of got a lot of ratings too. Uh, I thought I was under the initial impression when I did the Connecticut Colt, which is um, a very in-depth uh, book on uh, a Connecticut Colt that uh, actually came in f- to Connecticut in 1960, and actually it was developed and or organized in 1960 in New Jersey by uh, Julius Shacknow, uh, known a.k.a. Brother Julius. Uh, moved into Connecticut in 1970. <clears throat> and even though they deny it, they still exist today because I know they're doing uh, recruiting up in New Britain. New Britain. So, um, buyer beware, I guess. But it actually goes through a lot of the... Um, Inside workings of the cult, I talked with a lot of people that were members at the time. Um, I was able to get a lot of documents that the public generally can't get. Um, so, it was a pretty extensive um, book on it. Um, a lot of cult members that were in there didn't like it. <laughs> yeah, I got some nasty grants for that one, but, you know, the truth hurts, so... But um, with that being said, you know, uh, I also um, put in a few, you know, I, I linked a few of their members to homicides. Um, <clears throat> actually, nine, nine, yeah, nine specifically in New Jersey. Um, well, with that being said, so you know why a lot of, a lot of these uh, folks uh, aren't happy. Um Another big one for this year was uh, unidentified, uh, missing and unidentified people in uh, Connecticut, which I just did from uh, 1886 up to uh, 2011 because uh, after 2011, people just, it became, you know, uh, like a social custom for younger kids just to walk out of the house and not come back, you know, going out with their boyfriends girlfriends, you know, traveling to different states, you know, PO'd at parents because, you know, mommy didn't buy me my $2,000 cell phone, which I want them to pay the bills for. So I try to stay within, you know, the traditional uh, disappearances between those years. Um, a little over 105. Uh, the disappearances actually... What's really neat is uh, in 71, 1971, Ellington, Connecticut, a girl named uh, Irene LaRosa disappeared. In 1973, Ferrant, um, Susan LaRosa disappeared. Uh, Lincoln Common, their, their brother, uh, Robert LaRosa. I had interviewed a lot of family members, uh, one specifically next brother-in-law living out of state now. I tracked him down in the deep woods of uh, Maine. 
you know, I'm familiar with that area very well, so I, I can track people down there. I know it's all farmland because farmers know how to track other farmers down. So, um, you know, a very interesting interview I had with him, uh, shed a lot of light, um, described a crime scene that was never described before, uh, admitted being at the crime scene, admitted knowing who killed uh, Susan LaRosa, whose body was found three years later. Um, evidence, missing evidence, which I was told by the, the local and state police authorities didn't exist, but the problem was I had I talked to three people that uh, actually had been in possession of the evidence, uh, which was a bloody putty knife. And I actually have a letter from one of the local police department that initiated an investigation stating that at that time the evidence did exist, but then when I contacted them and questioned them about it, they wanted the letter back. Well, that ain't going to happen, so you know what. You know, and the interesting thing about that case was I had gone to uh, Massachusetts to um, interview a, uh, a niece of uh, Irene LaRosa, and I, uh, at the same time, was fortunate to speak with uh, Susan LaRosa's daughter, Stacy, who provided it. Now, you got to remember, she was in the house at the time. She was about five years old. Police didn't want to take her statement at that time, which would have been about 1973, I believe, uh, because she was too young. However, I, I listened to what she said. I wrote down notes, and through my through the uh, interview with other people, uh, every every point that she made was substantiated. So, you know, and there was a link, uh, the local police department, the state didn't realize it because, uh, what had happened was the, the brother, I person of interest, um, basically said that, um, he filed a missing a person report in 1971 in 2016. Um, it was discovered he didn't, he didn't, um, didn't file one. Uh, background, um, 11 family members, um, Robert and his brother, notorious for uh, molesting female family members and other females in the community, um, missing missing records for um, Lisa Joy White, medical, I think it was, I think it was either, either it was, I, I believe it was Lisa Joy White. Or one of the other girls that was involved. There was about eight that went missing between 68 and uh, 78 up there. Um, <clears throat> one of the family members was a janitor and had access to the medical records that were uh, that were that were missing. And I, and I'm, I think that was Lisa Joy White's uh, records. I'll have to I'll have to relook. I, I know I don't think it was Spickler's record. Or you know what it was? It was Janice Pocket. Janice Pocket was one of the first people I think that went missing in 68. She had gone into, she had uh, attended the, the uh, Tallinn school system. Uh, her records were, her records were disappeared. However, there were links to the Lisa Joy White White case. Uh, you can read that in the, you can read that in the, uh, the book. Um, you can find my books are on Amazon. I write under the writer's name Michael C. Bouchard. Uh, it just makes it it makes it easier to separate all the Mike Bouchard that are on the uh, 
online um, that have books out that uh, one's a sh- one's a sheriff in uh, Oakland, I think it's Oakland County somewhere. Um, listen to some of his stuff. Really professional guy, really smart. Um, probably one of the best uh, <clears throat> sheriffs or. I don't know how their ranking system down there works. I'm going to say sheriffs. Um, for a TV interview uh, in the uh, Oakland school shooting, couldn't have been a better interview. Guy was flawless. So with that in mind, uh, we did have some other ones like the Deltove Pass, you know, the 1959 uh, nine hikers uh, disappeared in, in the uh, Ural Mountains of uh Russia, uh, a lot of conspiracy theories. Um, I know Josh Gates um, did a, uh, a series, uh, not a series, but it was an episode on uh, a series he, he does on TV, which is uh, Expedition Unknown. Um, and it was interesting because uh, he, <laughs> he had a guy on him. Um, guy's name is Mike Skabicki. Uh, his official title is World Explorer. Not sure exactly what that is, but I, I, I can think that most of us are world explorers at, at some point. Um, they had bashed around theories about, uh, you know, were they abducted? I mean, they were eventually found. They were eventually found. Um, some say avalanche. Some say <clears throat> uh, military experiments. Some say UFOs. Some say Bigfoot. Some say, you know, a lot of crap. Skabicki, uh, you know, didn't want to make a comment at the end, but two days later, the same Discovery Channel um, put out a uh, <laughs> series of uh, Blood in the Mountains, the Russian Yeti. <laughs> sure, sure it is. And, uh, well, guess who, who was the uh, the host on the show? It was Mike Skabicki, who two days later on uh, Josh Gates' uh, program denied that there was uh, Bigfoot around and Two days later, now he's uh, chasing the uh, the Russian Yeti. Well, I hope he finds it. <laughs> Before it finds him, and nobody's finding shit. Um, you know, so we had a really we had a really uh, good year. I mean, we popped a thousand listeners. You know, within a few months, the first uh, episode here went on in uh, September twenty first of this year, and by the 21st of December, we were over, over a thousand listeners. I mean, um, it's hard to tell whether they just think that I'm a, uh, a mad scientist <laughs> or a rogue cop. Uh, it's hard to tell, you know, maybe a little everything, I guess, you know, somewhat educated. Well, not when it comes to new technology, I have no clue about it. Just, I just keep freaking pushing buttons and why the hell, you know, like, when you get on a computer online and you want this damn thing to do something, why do they always send you links that you're not going to understand anyway? Especially if you're a computer illiterate like me. They will send me these freaking links, do this, do that, do that. Wait a minute. I need a step-by-step tutorial of what the hell I'm doing, okay? Because that's how us older people are sometimes. Um, I am going to go... You know what? Since we're here, uh, instead of making a another episode on another episode. Uh, let's talk a minute about the um, this COVID-19. 
okay? You know, I'm not a, I don't really do too much medical stuff. I mean, I should because I, you know, over, over the course of the year, I've had a lot of, uh, medical issues that popped up that should have killed people, but, um, I actually made it through all of them without dying, actually, on credit, you know, full recoveries and everything, um, should have been pushing up uh, lilies, I suppose, but, uh, maybe I'm just too stubborn, you know, um, just how life is, I guess, some fight, some don't fight me, yeah, I'm one of those, I'm a terror, you know, just, uh, <laughs> the guy your mother warned you about, <laughs> uh, without a doubt, but, um, you know, I think I, I don't want to consider myself like a shock jock because that's not really what I am. Uh, I'm not there to cause controversy uh, like a lot of these podcasters, you know. Uh, <clears throat> I want you to know where shit's coming from and what I base it on. I base everything on either physical evidence, uh, known facts, or situations or people I've interviewed. I don't, you know, I'm not going to, you know... I don't, I, I don't, I'm not doing hocus pocus to, to draw an audience. I mean, that's just how it is. But, you know, if, if you hear an episode you like, I, I, you know, I'd appreciate it if you sent it out to uh, other people you might know. Um, yeah, I don't know much about marketing. They, they, they tell me I'd be really successful if I could, if I marketed my books better or if I uh, marketed my podcast. <clears throat> I haven't, um, let me tell you what, I, I am, that's another area that I'm deficient in is marketing. Uh, even without marketing, you know, my ratings are pretty high without even marketing. So, you know, I don't worry about that too much. I I think maybe I will start worrying about that when the snow comes because, you know, the skies here in New England are starting to get grayer, weather's getting colder, and every rainstorm turns into a snowstorm. So that's just how it is. Let's talk about the coronavirus still a little bit. You know, when it first came out, um, what first caught my attention was the fact that they were blaming it on a bat, okay? Now, I, I, I'll agree. Bats carry all kind of nasty diseases. They're a little like rats with wings and shit all over the place and hang by their feet. I mean, what the hell does that tell you? <laughs> kind of like some of my freaking relatives, I suppose, you know. But, um, with that being said, uh, but then all of a sudden, simultaneously, this this doctor who was working on this experiment, young doctor, <clears throat> all of a sudden catches this crap and is stiffed out. Well, did he really catch it? Or was this man-made? I hate to tell you, by what I'm seeing, the rate of travel, I, I listen, I get it, we travel a lot nowadays compared to the earlier part of the centuries. I, I get it. I just don't get you know, why Why was it this shit all the, you know, initially, you know, hush hush, the, you know, the Japanese didn't want anybody to know anything about it. Um, you know, everybody kept their mouth shut. Well, you only keep your mouth shut when, when you're doing something you shouldn't be doing. You know, figure it that way. Um, so that's kind of my thought on that shit. I mean, you only, you only hide shit when you don't want a lot of people to know what the hell you're doing. 
um, the rate at which which is which is uh, traveled, um, the inability of us to be able to just drop it with a flu shot, um, the way it mutates, the ver- you know it keeps every time one one variant is kind of stabilized, another one pops up. Um, <clears throat> just seems very abnormal to me, you know, um, you know, yeah, I don't understand the science behind, you know, how viruses mutate this and that. And the other thing, all I know is that <clears throat> this is no different than Pearl Harbor, to be honest with you. You know, we have always had countries that have been attempting to destabilize the United States because we are still, even though right now politically we're in a freaking mess because of the, you know, we're, we have the, we're trying to run the country through the uh, old age home. Um, we have always had countries uh, attempting to uh, destabilize our country. You know, you, you had, you know, like I said, you know, and it went well beyond, you know, Pearl Harbor was an attack on the United States. Um, initially thought that it went well until we went over there and decimated everybody. So, um, you know, it's just countries are always trying to destabilize other countries. And you know what? I mean, nothing for nothing. My thought on it is why inherent, uh, inherently take over another company, which quite simply, you know, and these countries that do it aren't stable countries. You know, your country's falling apart. Your people don't have food, no housing. You're, you're, you can't even drink the water. Your air's polluted, and you just want to take over another country. Why? Fix your own shit first, and then worry about us. You know what I'm saying? Uh, if you want to take us over. I mean, <clears throat> you know, and if you successfully did that, well, you know what? Maybe it could be a consideration. I don't know, but, you know, I, I just don't get it. You know, you got countries that are falling the fuck apart, and they want to come over and take America over. Listen, in case you haven't seen the streets lately in, in, in the United States, I might reconsider that shit. With the coronavirus, you know, it just seems that um, it's mutating and spreading too fast to be a non, non, uh, you know, something made by nature. It seems to be something that was manufactured. Um, that's just the way it is. A lot of people don't like it when I say that, but come on. So why why would we why would we if we knew it was man made? Okay, now we have this problem. We got to try to figure out how to stop this shit. Rule number one: when you make a anything biological, before you let it loose, you create an antivirus for it. Okay, just in case you, the creator, happen to get it, or it happens to dump somewhere it shouldn't, they always have an antivirus for it. That's 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 a primary rule. You don't make something. That you can't put the pin back into. Alright. So. <clears throat> that caught me off a little guard. And I believe that they. Somewhere over there. They some they have a, an antivirus for it. Um, so what does that translate into? Okay. Now we have. <clears throat> everybody. All over the world. Getting all this crap. <clears throat> shot into you. Now me. I've been vaccinated three times. Because. Uh, my profession. Obviously. You know, I deal with people all week, 
they're breathing on me, coughing all over the place. They, they have coronavirus. I am not a mask person. <clears throat> like I said, I'm from the, the north, you know, the deep north. We don't, you know, we we enjoy and, and are freer. I don't want to be... Bur- and think about it. You put a mask on, right? <clears throat> Let's think about it in a scientific term. Grass, trees, plants live on carbon monoxide. Okay, we breathe in air, what comes out? Carbon monoxide. So imagine you hit, you're you breathing in with your, your nose or your mouth, whatever, which is covered by a mask, and you exhale, you're exhaling the same crap. You know, you're exhaling the, the, the carbon monoxide and you're, you're sucking it back in with your nose. Long-term effect, short, may, there may be no short-term effect. Long-term effect, you, people are going to start getting screwed up, you know. So, I, I, don't, I don't believe at all that this is a natural occurrence. <clears throat> so, with that being said, what, let's look at, look, let's look at the, the ramifications of it. The U.S. government, under the direction of our senior citizen president, who reminds me of a the little boy kid in high school, um, starts paying people not to go back to work. Now, if you're a family that's that's living you know, not making enough money, you're getting $300 extra on your unemployment. I get it. <clears throat> However, this has now become a cultural trend. Where we can't even get people to go to work. You know, we were bitching when Trump was in about trying to get people to work. The government gives everybody all this money. Now they don't want to go to work. Um, and the problem with this, let me tell you what, all this money they give you, all this money that, that's been handed out, you're, re, you're, you're repaying this, this money. They, they don't give nothing out for it. Not only are you repaying for it, but you're paying for it in interest, with interest. So just, just kind of think about that one. Um, so no, I, I personally do not believe that it's... That it's um, I believe it's man-made. This shit was man-made. Um, you know, I, I think it was like them creating Frankenstein until Frankenstein got loose. I mean, I mean, Frankenstein, we, we took out pretty easy. We went up to the windmill, we set it on fire, and that was it. This is a little different. <clears throat> so, what are the financial benefits of this? Let's think about it. Let's think about it this way: financial benefits. Well. Think of all these big companies making money, right? Pfizer, Moderna, <clears throat> you know, um, laboratories doing the tests, so on and so forth. <clears throat> all these these uh, places are getting grants to um, research antibodies, what, whatever medical medical stuff. If Corona went away today. Just like cancer, diabetes, or anything. If any of these things ever went away, think of how much money 
grants people would be losing, businesses would be making. See what I'm saying? So there is a <clears throat> financial benefit to this. Crazy, right? Well, no, it's not crazy because <clears throat> I've been working through it. This year, I've made double my double my annual salary. So, yeah, I've had to put in more hours than I wanted to, and I don't have a life sometimes, but there are financial benefits to it also. So, you know, you got to kind of realize that. Um, it's sad to say, and then, you know, I question a number of fatalities due to this, okay? <clears throat> it seems that, now you got to remember, money is based on what? Numbers. Statistical numbers. The more the numbers, the more money you get. Or you don't get. Low numbers, no money. High numbers, you get money, right? So, I think a lot of these deaths may be just simply flu-related. Do they, do they, can they show symptoms of the coronavirus? Yeah, they sure could. So, Statistically, from a numbers point of view, <clears throat> it's more much more beneficial to add an, a normal death from a flu and as a coronavirus number. You know, keeps everybody doing what everybody does. You know, um, I think too, from a I hate to bring up politics because, you know, I really, I really stink at politics. I, I just, you know, it's, it's just, I, I don't like systems that are, don't do things for people. I just, I just, I just don't like it. You know, it's just, it, it annoys the living hell out of me. Um, so with that being said, I mean, um, Let's look at let's look at the the chronology of this stuff. Okay, we had Trump in, and this stuff hits. Yeah, Biden fighting Trump. The one that comes up with the vaccine first is the one everybody's going to be looking at, whether they actually did anything about it or not. You know, it's kind of like <clears throat> Rob Peter to pay Paul, steal one idea to promote somebody else's idea. Um, a lot of things occurred during that, um, you know, at that time. Corona just happened to be one of them. So, um, well, my final thoughts about that, you know, uh, it's just, I don't believe this is a, uh, a naturally occurring was was not a naturally occurring virus. I don't believe at the rate of spread, at the way it mutates, and the conditions under how we know coronavirus was at a hospital or a lab at one time, the death of somebody that shouldn't have died from it. Um, it's kind of like the uh, Nikola Tesla uh, conspiracy theory, you know. First is here. A couple days later, he's dead, and all, this, all of his uh, <clears throat> uh, 
maps and charts for uh, experiments and electrical use are disappeared. Which the interesting fact about that is, um, I have that in one of my books, um, The Covered Bridge. And one of the people that was actually responsible for taking or removing contents from uh, Nikola Tesla's apartment uh, hotel room or motel room, whatever the, the di difference might be, uh, was John Trump, Donald Trump's uh, uncle. And he was the director of uh, foreign properties. Well, Nikola Tesla was a uh, naturalized citizen of the United States. So why the U.S. Foreign Policy Department would be in there, well, what a lot of people don't know, <clears throat> is that Nikola Tesla and uh, George Trump were competitors in the, uh, in the electrical field. Just something to think about, but uh, I think this is going to be the last uh, episode. I have to start working on, working on marketing and you know just figure out how I'm going to market this, books. Uh, I have about 12 books out. I don't really count how many I have out there. Um, a couple of them are on archaeology. Um, two are mystery novels. The rest are all... Um, one is a paranormal. The rest are all um, disappearances, homicides, that kind of stuff. So <clears throat> I have to figure out for 2022 how to market this stuff because I'm sure I probably could make an extensive amount of money except <sighs> marketing. I don't know, that's just not my, my gig. I don't know what it is, but social media. See, if I know how to use social media, I don't know how to use social media. You gotta remember, when I, we didn't have cell phones when I was a teenager. We didn't have cell phones until I was, what, Christ, my 30s? So, with that being said, I will probably... Uh, Unless, unless something really major pops up in the, the news that needs to be uh, torn apart, shred apart. Uh, or needs to be looked at a little further. I will, uh, I will see you in 2021. And I think we're going to just, instead of going season two episode one we're just going to continue season two next episode this is 66 so we'll do 67 just because <clears throat> from a chronological order it's kind of really a pain in the ass you have to go figure out what you know what season it is what number it is you know no we just do them straight in line and it's you know like they like they say k-a-s-s keep it simple stupid it's a lot easier that way until then have a happy holidays um, like I always tell you, if you're in a dark place and you hear foot, footsteps behind you, first thing you got to ask yourself is, what, why the hell am I there? But you know why you're there, and it's probably not doing anything good if you're in a dark place that you shouldn't be trying not to be seen in. But just remember, before you go into that dark place, you better know where the back door or the back window is, because when you hear those footsteps, there's only one way out, baby, and that's through the window or through the back door. Until next year, this is Michael C. Bouchard, host of... The Night Stalker Podcast. And yes, the Night Stalker Podcast has nothing to do with uh, Richard Ramirez, Creepy Man. Uh, 
it has to do with the 1972 um, Night Stalker podcast with Darren McGavin in it. It was a good movie, The Vampire TV series actually was supposed to be a movie. I think they turned into a TV series. So if you get a get a chance, take a look at it. Um, even today, it's pretty. Is a, is a science fiction or a horror movie? Yeah, it's actually pretty good. So till then. Thank <laughs> you.